0: Podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this synomics podcast. Podcast, soccer 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 soccer. soccer. Yo yo yo, welcome back to episode I think it's 151. Shout out those who listened to my 150th episode, make sure you check that out. I spoke specifically as it pertains to black and other ethnic minorities deaths regarding COVID-19. The Institute of Fiscal Studies IFS released a report. And they looked at the data and they came to certain conclusions. So if you want to know some more information, more information that we've been given so far regarding why we're seeing much more black Caribbean, black African, Pakistani, um, Indian people uh, suffer at the hands of COVID-19 more disproportionately to let's say white British people, make sure you check that podcast out. And I also spoke about oil, so macroeconomics for you. The price of oil was negative. Why wasn't we able to get our tanks full for free? So I spoke on that. This week is our COVID-19 situation. Uh, I'm recording right now at 8.17pm. Boris Johnson has just addressed the nation, looking absolutely awful. P- poor soul. COVID got him on the ropes. And he spoke to the next steps of how we could exit this coronavirus situation. So I'm going to talk on his address, I'm gonna have some analysis on it. Well some early bird analysis. And also I asked the streets for some questions. So you lot gave me a bunch of questions. I'm gonna answer all of them. And if you submitted them after, I'm so so sorry. So let's start off with what happened. So Boris, 7 pm, Sunday, the 10th of May. Boris spoke to the to the nation regarding coronavirus and he alluded earlier in the week on Wednesday at Prime Minister's questions about how he's going to ease the lockdown measures, but he didn't really give too much away. So, first things first, there is a new COVID 19 alert system which is five levels. This is quite similar to the terrorist um, terrorist alert. So, sometimes you hear our countries under red or amber regarding the, the threat level. So, there's five levels, yeah? Level one's the lowest, and level five's the highest. So, the higher the number, the higher the level. Level one is a situation where the disease isn't present anymore in the UK. So that's the best case scenario, that's green. And red, of course, is level five, where a critical case, the disease is spreading like a mad thing, spreading like wildfire. The NHS is overwhelmed, is struggling to cope. We have currently been at a level four. So we've been at a high level of coronavirus, as we've seen. Like over 600 people have been dying per day the last week. Last week. The latest figures say just over 200 died, but as my listeners will know, And people follow my updates, there's usually a lag over the weekend and then you see a higher spike on Tuesday's numbers. Boris says that we're slowly moving to a level 3, but there's certain things that have to happen before we move to that level. And that's the medium. I hope you're still with me. Now, how is the alert level determined? So how do we know if we're going from 4 to 3 or 4 to 5 or 4 straight through 3 to 2? Well, this is done by a very simple formula. R plus number of COVID-19 cases. Now, don't be alarmed by the sounding of algebra, R is simply the rate of infection. The rate of infection is simply this, how many people, let's say I'm, God forbid, well, I think I already got hit with a young corona about six, seven weeks ago, but man's free though, so let's say me, I've got coronavirus, I've been hit by COVID-19. R is, on average, how many people am I going to infect? Those who have listened to my previous podcast already know that COVID-19 is a highly and unusually infectious virus. So it can, it usually infect, for every person infected with COVID-19, they will in turn infect three people. So one case will then turn into four. And then all each four, and then those three people that have been affected by me will go and infect three people each. And that's how you see a massive spread. Remember, it started in Wuhan, one person infected. Currently, there's 4 million people globally that's had coronavirus. So that shows how infectious this virus is. So the R level is the rate of infection and the lower the number the better it is. So if you have a low number so the let's say on average if the average person with coronavirus is infecting 0.1 people that means 10 coronavirus patients um 10, 10 coronavirus patients are infecting one person on average that means we're seeing a squeeze and a going down in the virus. And if you add it to a number of COVID-19 cases, so let's say the total amount of people that have it, so let's say um, it went from 20,000 down to 5,000, that means the alert level is going down because we're seeing less people actually have the virus and the virus isn't, is, is not infecting as many people as it was before. However, if the rate of infection is, let's say, 3, for example, so every person with coronavirus is affected 3 people, And the number of COVID-19 cases is like 40,000, 50,000, 100,000. We're going to have a higher alert level. And that's going to mean higher lockdown measures. So the lockdown measures is entirely dependent on this alert level. So remember, rate of infection plus COVID cases. So if we strip this down to the bare bones, it's simply this. The alert level is determined by the amount of people that currently have coronavirus. And how likely they are to infect other people so if the if the likelihood of them infecting other people which is the rate of r is 0.1 0.2 and the number of people with coronavirus is getting is reducing reducing then we're going to see lockdown measures begin to ease you see what i'm saying so currently the the rate of infection is in between. Uh, Boris said the other days in between 0.5 and 0.9, so it's less than one, which is good because you want. If it's if it's more than one, that means the virus <coughs> is going to be spreading, because you're you're able to infect people. Where if it's less than one, you're less likely to infect people. So if it's 0.5, that means 10 covid 10 people that have COVID 19 that have coronavirus are going to infect five people, and those five people are going to infect 2.5 people, and that's how. The numbers go down that's how we're um, when the government said we're past the peak that's why we're seeing numbers of infections going down as well as numbers of daily deaths going down as well as numbers of people being admitted to hospital going down this stops the spread so again we're currently at level four so we're in lockdown but the lower the level the fewer the lockdown measures and just to reiterate just because um, Boris said I mean I ease the thing doesn't mean, I'm not sure if I got my password right. right, doesn't mean lockdown's been ended. No, lockdown has not been ended, but he's easing it. And here are the three steps. So step one, this is as of now, people who can't work from home, and he referenced construction workers, manufacturers, should be encouraged to go to work. Remember before the message was, every man stay at home, work from home. Everything lock off, restaurants, hotels, um, shops, pubs, Gyms, everything lock off. Now he's saying if you if you can't work from home, so like so so construction for example, you should be encouraged to go to work. He said a new guidance for employers has been to be cover secure has gone has been distributed by the government, and the PM advises us to try our best to avoid using public transport if we can walk to work. If not, car or bicycle. And from Wednesday, he announced that there's unlimited outdoor exercise. He referenced you can sunbathe, you can play sport with the members of your household. Now it's not just the one hour per day measure, which was what um, he mentioned several weeks ago when he said everything lock off, a section boys or smoke boys, shall I say? Now the next step. This is when we're looking at early June, yeah, and this is assuming all things go to plan, and I made a slight error on my lockdown post. Apologies, people. It's what happens when you're trying to type down notes quickly and listen at the same time. It is indeed, what's happening is that from early June, and this is, everything goes to plan, by the way, with the first phase, which is people going back, starting to go back to work again, people going outside to exercise on on an unlimited basis. He wants uh, reception year one and year six to return to schools, potentially. So this is best case scenario. And, this, and certain shops will be open as well. And this will be done in phases. This best case scenario, if step one goes to plan, best case scenario, we can start to do this early from June earliest, yeah? Cool. And let's say step one, where people are now going back to work if they cannot work from home and they're, and they're doing this safely, the workplaces are safe, they're enforcing social distancing, they're following the guidelines, people are going out to exercise, they're following the guidelines. And then shops are started to be open, year six year one reception I've started to go back to school then they step three then this is by uh, July beginning of July at best they start to reopen some of the hospitality industry and some of the public places and this is provided that they are safe and enforce social distancing so that is Boris's address um, in totality essentially there's, a, there's five new alert levels one to five, five is awful. four, one's best case scenario. We're currently at four, but we're approaching level three. The level is determined by the rate of infection plus the total the number of cases of coronavirus, which is how many people have coronavirus and how infectious is the disease currently. And we're going to move through three steps from from May to June to July at best, if all things go to plan and if people are following the guidelines, staying at home, keep keeping alert whatever that means <laughs> because you can't be alert to coronavirus you can't see here or smell it so i don't know how the man must expect us to be alert but that's between him and god we should see the measures ease and that's how we can get people back to the economy and he kept on referencing the lack of economic activity so all the people that are saying that feared that Boris will risk our safety due to um the lack of economic activity i understand their sentiments but also understand where the government's coming from because we can't We can't have everything shut forever. We'll be done out here. Loads of businesses can't survive three, four, five, six months with no income. Same thing with households, same thing with individuals. However, it has to be done in a responsible manner. And this is what I personally believe. This is just my freestyle analysis on top of this. we are going to continue to talk about what Boris said on that. For this to work, you start to roll people out back to the office and stuff like that. Not to office, but to work. One, you need to increase the testimony, which he spoke of. He said by the end of May, well, he referenced hundreds of thousands, but he said with previously by end of May they want to be testing two hundred, they want to be hitting two hundred thousand tests a day. I think the testing has to be rolled out to the wider public. If people are going to work, they have to be getting tested. I'm sorry, they can't be on the streets not being tested. What you're gonna have to test people, test people, test people, test people. You can't keep missing the deadlines. I mean, your targets. I think they've gone five to six days not hitting a hundred thousand tests. You have to be rolling out the test on a mass scale testing people like crazy and the nhs test and trace app has to work and people have to volunteer for it and people have to use it because that way you're testing people so if you're mass testing people you know where the virus is you know who has it and if you're test and if you're contact tracing you know who has had it and who may be exposed to it that way you're able to contain the virus that's the best way i think they should do it And I also think they should probably start to let people out if they are probably under the ages of 35 or 40. And if they live on their own or they don't live with people who are vulnerable, I think that's the best, some of the best things we could do. Anyway, so some numbers for COVID 19. So as of Sunday, the the slogan has changed from stay at home, protect NHS and save lives to stay alert, control the virus, save lives in England. Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales are like, rah. Man didn't hear about none of this, rude boy. Because apparently, Boris did consult them. So, the Scotland's First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, said, the only change for her is, listen, everything's still a lockdown situation. The only change is that you're allowed to exercise more than once a day. But man didn't consult us and we're not... Maybe that's good for England, but ain't good for us, man. So, that's the current situation. Also... um. The number of COVID-19 deaths has unfortunately reached 31,855, as I said before, an increase of 269 from yesterday. We're going to see a large increase in the daily deaths from Tuesday because of the weekend lag. Um, 50,000 coronavirus test samples were sent to the US earlier this week. That's because there was problems in UK laboratories, yeah. And as I referenced earlier, more than 4 million global cases of COVID-19 and, unfortunately, 277,000 deaths globally, which is an absolute horrendous number. Okay, now I'm going to answer some of y'all questions, because there's quite a lot. And I'm going to, hopefully I've got everybody's access as I'm saying this. So, shout out Oluwa, P42UK, Arsenal fan, quite a reasonable Arsenal fan, wave a display picture, by the way, and just run sound stand-up guy. He arts is, or arts, I don't know what the correct English is, which is, Terrible since I have a pod. Do you have any sense of financial situation of the government in terms of how much has been spent so far on the furlough scheme and what the limit is? Could that be the reason for the rush to reopen things? Well, obviously, this is a very... uh, What's happening is a big economic drag on the government and just people in general and economy as a whole. The government have pledged a lot of money. We've been printing money, do you know what I mean? borrowing money, all types of things. Regarding the furlough scheme... Down the street earlier this week said furlough has cost, has cost £8 billion so far, with 800,000 employers affected by the coronavirus pandemic making a claim through HM Reviews and Customs. So, 800,000 um, employers have made furlough claims and they've told out about £8 billion so far. I hope that answers your question. Another question for XX Tamil Pride XX. You know, girls love a young kiss in their display name. Shout out you. Very good question, she asks. Not very coronavirus-related, but it was economics-related. Will land value tax ever be implemented? Has it been considered? Why, why will it work or won't work, in my opinion? Very good question. I'm a big proponent of um, land value tax. And for those who don't know, what is land value tax? Land value tax is essentially a levy paid on the value of the land upon which a property or no property sits on, rather than a tax on property itself. Let's say, for example, I own... All the land in the borough of Newham. Usually, if I own the land of a borough of Newham, I won't be paying any tax on that land. I'll be paying taxes on the properties that I own on, in that borough. But instead, I'll be paying a value, um, a levy on that value, on that value of the land, which is very important because land is a very finite resource. And the best thing about this is that um, land is, as I said, land is a finite resource. It doesn't it's inelastic. Because basically it's fixed. You you have you have a certain amount of land and it doesn't really change like that. Whereas with other tax, it can reduce the amount of tax we, money we get because you can change things such as income and sorry, inheritance and investments and all that type of stuff. That changes. Land will stay the same. The basic idea behind land value tax is that it's a tax that pieces um of land get their value f- from the location rather than the caliber of development on them for example it doesn't matter what type of shack you build up in Kensington because it's Kensington the valuation is going to be of, on that shack that you built is going to be a lot higher than if you built it in Stoke why is it due to the way you built the place or the lights in it no it's due to the to where it's situated the land Or well, this is why land value tax um is quite useful also in terms of has it been considered? It's been considered by both um, the la- Labour and Lib Dems in last election. They've hinted towards it. Um, what another things that I like about um, land value tax is that we don't penalise people for developing on their own land as we do now. Also, it's a hard. It's very. It's a tax that's very hard to um, to avoid. To own land, you're gonna to have to have paperwork to say that you own land. So even if you own it through some third party, da da there's paperwork that says you own this land. You get, it. and that way it's very difficult to avoid. You can't hide land. <laughs> Do you know what that? You just can't hide land. It doesn't work like that. Whereas with with certain assets, you can hide it. Do you know what I mean? You could put I don't know, like um some of let's say for example like footballers, they they get paid image rights and they may get the image rights paid through like a shell company and. In like the Cayman Islands, and that way they avoid paying taxes. On top of that, some of the disadvantages of land value tax is that you now have to work out the value of these lands, which could be a really tricky situation. And also, there's a fairness issue potentially. People that may own land, but they may not be that up or well off, or just, or even if they are, they can get hit with an unexpected, unanticipated, unexpected massive bill. Because obviously, let's say you own a land that's very valuable. Oh, right, boom! Here's a five hundred bag, for example, bill. But I am all in all a proponent of land value tax and the people that own land tend to be like super, super, super wealthy. I think something crazy like 0.5% of the UK population own 80% of the land of the UK. So that's a very good way to kind of tax the super duper rich effectively. But good question. Another question. Shout out NattyDread09. He asks, what steps the government have taken to rescue the economy? what it means in the grand scheme of things and how would it be paid back i heard about debt restructuring, but i don't understand i don't understand it if you could explain it as well cool no problem so what steps have the government been taking to rescue the economy so rishi sunak the transfer share card has just been opening his checkbook and been like yeah here's 350 billion pounds available for businesses so you've got the c bill scheme shout out um we lendo as well so that's People who have businesses looking to gain assistance from the government. There is the furlough scheme to pay people's wages. There's, um, whilst else has there been? Saying that there's to be, there could be mortgage holidays and help for the self-employed. So they're just basically literally just throwing money everywhere. So if you need money, we're going to try and basically keep you guys afloat. In terms of what it means, how we paid it back, it's likely going to have to come out in terms of taxation, potentially obviously because this is not like free money like we have to pay it back um, what is more likely I believe people people talk about austerity I don't think austerity is particularly palatable to the people again you can't get away with it after 10 years of it on the Tory rule from 2010 to like 2019-ish I reckon Rishi Sunak is going to probably going to go for businesses instead and that's why they're going to look to start to get the repayment because obviously they're bailing out no man thing in terms of debt restructuring and what it is, debt restructuring is a process used by companies or individuals to risk uh, to avoid the risk of default or existing debts, or to take advantage of low available interest rates. Debt restructuring can be carried out by individuals on the brink of insolvency, as well as by countries that are ne- that are heading to default on sovereign debt. So, in this case, we'll talk about the United Kingdom. This process is typically carried out by reducing interest rates on loan. So let's say you're paying back 5% on a £1 million loan. You re- renegotiate and pay back a loan. So yes, um, it's usually done by like reducing the level of interest by loans, as I just said, as well as by extending the dates which the company's liabilities are due to be paid or both. So you could do both. So let's say oh, we're due to pay our debt by 2025. We can extend it to 2030. Or we could just say reduce the interest rates. Or you could combine both. So that is ways you can restructure your debts. These steps improve your chance of paying back the obligations. And obviously the people, creditors, so the people that owed the money in the first place, understand that they will receive even less if you got hit with a young bankruptcy and or liquidation. So restructuring can be a win-win for both parties. So that is what that means. I hope that answers your question. Next question. Shout out, um, Still Digs, good brother. Um, he asks, moving forward, how do you believe or think globalization is going to be affected by COVID-19 and the pros and cons. So, globalization is simply businesses and organizations develop international influence or start to operate on an international scale. So, for example, like Nike. Nike have offices and stores all over the planet. So, they can shift staff between their Polish office and their british office that's globalization where you just get a bigger network of businesses and organizations in terms of how covid can infect um gonna affect some globalization i think it's gonna affect it adversely i believe that people are seeing what happens when hella functions are outsourced to other people and when she hits the fan so in, in economics we call this exogenous exogenous factors so when something external um impacts you that you just you, exogenous socks or I say when something external impacts you that you're not prepared for it's like fam like man want, need PPE kits but you can't wait for China because the whole world wants it from China you know like that so imagine you're developing these things in-house and the people that have had things patterned in-house the like Germany and South Korea in terms of diagnostics and that's in terms of testing they were more able to fight the virus more effectively compared to us in the UK our, in, our diagnostics industry wasn't ready for this so you're seeing countries talk about starting to bring Back things to their shores in terms of the production line and this is what Trump has been very very big on since he got into office like he wants American jobs for American people so some of the pros for this could be the fact that your country is now retaining more jobs and people are getting paid better because for example like I work in the finance industry and hell and I was working in legal finance specifically and bare of law firms are outsourcing because they're they're multinational big law firms, they're outsourcing um, staff and roles to Eastern Europe because they know, although they may not get as much productivity per unit from the UK um, staff, because they might be more high-skilled, in terms of price per unit, they're getting more value for money because let's say somebody's job is 40, 40 grand a year, they could be paying people the equivalent of 22 grand per year, let's say, for example, in Estonia. For example, so obviously that is more financially um, efficient for companies. So that, is one, so that is one of the ways maybe people in the domestic nation could benefit. One of the ways it might be, kick us on the butt is that we might not have the same level of variation of products and services. Like it's really good, globalization is really good for consumers, but it's not as good for workers or businesses in certain instances. I hope it answers your question. Another question, S3, SS3 interesting name the difference between a recession and a depression well a recession is when you're looking at economic growth so you're looking at it in quarters so each quarter so you have q1 which is quarter one that's jan january february march q2 that's quarter two april may june q3 july august september q4 October, November, December. So, if you get two of these quarters consecutively, so either Q1, Q, Q1 and Q2, or Q2 and Q2 and Q3, blah blah blah, and in both quarters, so for a six-month period, you'll see a negative economic growth. That means your country is in a state of recession. Now, if we're talking depression, and many of us know what that word means, and it's a lot more severe. A depression is more severe, and it's a prolonged downturn in economic activity. A depression is commonly defined as extreme recession that lasts three or more years, which leads to a decline in GDP of at least 10% in a given year. Depressions are obviously less frequent, but when they hit, they hit heavy. So that's the difference between a recession and a depression. Both things that we don't really want to see. So I hope that answers your question. If I need to stop saying after every question is common repetitive. Um, another question from at Uncle HD underscore. He hit me with a with a quick trio. He says, one, how do you think COVID-19 affects the UK in the next, let's say, five years? I think I think it affects our economy a- adversely. I think a lot of industries are gonna struggle to recover. Especially those industries with um that have less ability to wiggle you're looking at the airline industries like some companies much simply might not be here they might not have the cash flow and reserves or the technological advancements to move their industries online so if that's going to have us' gonna affect us with um, economic and um, with unemployment and also with brexit I'm not too sure so that is the big kind of you know you know what I mean like uh what's the word I'm looking for the big unknown so all I what I could estimate and this is just my own genomicmics guess is a lot of businesses are really gonna struggle. It's going to impact jobs, and obviously that's going to impact us negatively as a whole. Two, do you think China faced consequences because they lied? Well, it's funny because German intelligence I saw an article today were basically saying that they they've got intelligence that um that um Xi Jinping. So that's a top donut in China asked the World Health Organization director, Dr. Tedros, to withhold information about a person-to-person transmission of coronavirus and to delay a pandemic warning. Obviously, the World Health Organization are denying the report, but listen, China, I mean, Germany has spoken, spoken about intelligence of misdoing from China. United States has spoken about intelligence of misdoing from China. The, the man, they're not on China, you know? So I think they're going to try to take action because this is so egregious. However, China ain't a small boy because like they can't just go and bully China like China, the Isle of Wight, like, or the Isle of Man. They have to come correct, so it's gonna be interesting to see. And his final question was Do you know do you know anything about how universities will change moving forward? Do you think they'll reimburse or have less people or lectures next year? I don't know any information. Um if they restate um if they start the academic year again in September, I think they will really they will I'm just guessing by the way. Social distancing will definitely go on. I think they'll push a lot of things electronically. And maybe this might see a lot more um, digital learning. That's the only thing I can guess. In terms of running people's peas (coughs) back, I wish I might. (laughs) That's what I'm sure the university deans will say. Shout out for the question, Uncle HD. Um, Mnac98 asks do you think Boris' uh, liberal values is causing more damage and harm? Do you f- do you feel he should have been more authoritative and restrictive measures in terms of exercise? I believe Boris and them should have been more hardline from the beginning. They were advised to, to do lockdown measures from January. So I think they've been very lax. Even now they're saying, oh, we might consider lockdown for people that come into the country. And that's not even making them enter a state of quarantine that is advising them to lock down to quarantine themselves from the moment they land that's ridiculous so I think we definitely have suffered at um, the hand of their kind of more I will say it seems as a lax approach obviously they're following the science but they're following the science that w- falls in line of their herd immunity thinking so I definitely think his approach has impacted us adversely that's my personal opinion I think that I can back that up with evidence um, Paul underscore when do you think social distancing will end? If I was to guess, I don't see social distancing ending any time before winter 2020. I just don't see it ending. Um, I just don't. And I'm, I may be the bearer of bad news here, but it would not surprise me if we get a second wave. So I don't know. Shout out, shout out, pulled over for the question. We've got another question from Afro Mermaid Blog. Ooh, that's quite a lit name do you think boris is avoiding talking about the bme death stats intentionally i don't think he is simply because this today's address was simply regarding the easing and how we could potentially come out of lockdown and how the government are looking at things now it's a situation where he'll probably be asked about it and he will actually address it he unlike the other ministers boris tends to be less um less of a d- dodger of questions. Doesn't mean he doesn't, he definitely does, but he's more hands-on to his questions compared to the likes of Matt Hancock or Dominic Raab and them. But, um, good question. Shout out, um, shout out Afro Mermaid. Another question from David Sella. Do you can you give your thoughts on how furlough scheme will be impacted by the new announcement? I.e. do you think it will end earlier than the date given for the for the given scheme to last? No, I don't because I feel like people are still in a state of furlough. So I don't think it's going to make much impact. I think it may potentially have impact on the more more recent applications. So any application after this point may be viewed differently. I'm not too sure. We'll have to wait for Rishi or Boris to give us more information regarding that. And the final question is from Basola one three seven four two zero three one. She really wasn't trying to make sure that she wasn't getting copied by any other Basola. Do you think it's going to be determined to have a lift on outdoor restrictions, or do you think there are some positive technology, eg, improvements in people's mental health? Um, I'm, she's regard she's um, referring to the East of lockdown measures. I think there are some positives to acknowledge the fact that people are now socialising. With other people, human contact, one of my colleagues, she lives on her own and she spoke about how it was just weird just being on her own all the time. And then she came, even those times she sees humans when she comes out for an NHS clap on a a Thursday at 8pm, I think it does do people good and just in terms of getting people exercising and hopefully this can get the country to exercise as a whole. I was speaking about BAME issues regarding coronavirus and how obesity is an underlying health condition and how... Diabetes underlying a health condition and type two diets and exercise definitely has an impact on this and hopefully this can help our own community. And I and I feel like the the lift on the outdoor restrictions isn't really much the issue. It's just on how people are behaving. Because over the weekend people are moving like it was Glastonbury, because I've seen hella people in the park, hella close, and that's all mad. But yeah. But that's week for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. I hope you guys learnt many things. Please hit me up with any questions. Hello at thisonomics.com Hello at thisonomics.com for email. Underscore nomics on Twitter. If you don't want to tweet me, you can use the hashtag, hashtag Or you could send me a direct message and I'll try to get to those. But some people send me some weird shit, so please don't. I just will block you. And you can catch my daily updates on my Twitter at underscorenomics, as I just said. Or on Instagram, at thisonomics.com. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, Apple Pods, um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all them things there. And make sure you tell a friend, tell a friend. Until next week, peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.